Hello and welcome to Academic Animals' new series of podcasts. This is your host and author, Roger Farr. If you're looking for sweet animal stories like in Watership Down or Babe, then you have the wrong podcast. This series is about my life working as an animal trainer in the film industry. Enjoy the experience. It was just another ordinary day. I just got back from walking through the woods with Tommy, my bear, when the telephone rang. It was a girl called Stephanie calling from a film production company in Brussels. She explained they wanted to make a public information film for a government awareness promotion explaining how we, the public, must act when there is an emergency, such as a radiation leak from a nuclear power station or a lethal toxic emergency. Suggestion we should not bury our heads in the sand but be aware and know what action to take. Stephanie sent me the storyboard. For those of you who are not familiar with the film business, a storyboard is a series of comic book-like sketches showing how they envisage the film to be when it comes together. This is put together by a creative director from an advertising agency. It is then scrutinised and approved by a whole team from the agency, considering the legalities, the idea in general, and asking the question, will it get the message across, etc, etc. And then, of course, there's the cost for making such a commercial. They have to be carefully calculated. This is known as the budget. All this has to be presented and approved by the final client before anything can start. Once this approval has been cleared, work can commence. This film was to show an ostrich walking from right to left across the picture, stopping in the middle to put his head deep down into the ground. The film was to be set on some wasteland with enormous gas and oil storage tanks that were each several stories high, with smoke bellowing out from the chimneys that were conveniently situated behind him. This turned out to be Antwerp Dockland area. My job was to first find an ostrich, and then work out how to get him to put his head in the ground voluntarily and without any stress or pressure. At the time I didn't realise it, but both these tasks were going to be the easy part of this saga. I contacted a friend called Barry, who I knew had a large collection of birds that he kept in giant aviaries as a hobby. I just thought he might have some ostriches among his collection. Sadly, no, but he knew a private zoo who may be able to help. A couple of hours drive away and I was there. The owner of this little zoo had dozens to choose from. Most were about two metres tall and none of them friendly. Ostriches are very strong and often aggressive. Their kick is similar in power to that of a horse so every care has to be taken when getting in among them for selection or training. In spite of the old saying about ostriches burying their heads in the sand, in reality, this is something they never, ever do. My first plan has to be to get the head in the ground. This we achieved very easily, and without the birds realising we were manipulating them to do the action or even trying to train them. I started by asking the owner to sink plastic buckets into the ground of their enclosure so that the rim of each bucket was level with the natural ground level. From then on, every day their food would be placed only in these buckets instead of strewn all over the ground or in their troughs. This worked. From the very first feeding time, all the ostriches were eating from the buckets. Once we had established it worked and really did look as though they had their heads were deep in the ground, We would walk up to an empty bucket, drop a small treat into the bucket and walk away. The ostrich would then immediately walk over and drop his head into the bucket to get his reward. 
The next step was to increase the depth of the bucket a few centimetres at a time just to get their head really deep inside. Again, this proved to be of little difference to the birds. Now I had to consider the transport, again thinking of the safety and comfort of the bird at all times. We decided to use a horse box with a few alterations more suitable for an ostrich, with a ramp at the back he could get used to walking up and into the vehicle. The ceiling was lined with foam panels to protect his head should he be in a jumping mood. Then we lined the walls in the same material. A second dividing door was constructed to make the van smaller inside because too large an area would cause the ostrich to be thrown around at roundabouts, traffic lights or every time the brakes were applied. The space had to be small enough to support him with these forces of inertia throughout the journey to and back from Antwerp. The next step was to work out how to get the flapping giant to walk into the box of his own persuasion. We thought about it and decided to use the same tactics as the buckets in the ground. All the buckets were dug up and removed from their paddock, then a bucket of food was placed just inside the back end of the open horse box, just at the top of the ramp you understand, and we all stepped well back to wait for him to see what happened. One of the ostriches came from the side, not stepping on the ramp and reaching into and tipping over the bucket, spilling the food. Panels of fencing were placed next to the ramp on each side and a few hours of us staying well away, the ostriches were starting to walk up and down the ramp and eat the food. When they'd all finished the food, they eventually turned around and calmly walked out. The bucket was then refilled with food and this time placed right at the back inside the trailer. This became their normal eating place from now on. A little inspection door at the front of the trailer enabled topping up the food buckets without any danger to me or the owner. Presumably another benefit with this feeding technique would be to make it also easier for cleaning and catching the bird once filming had finished. This would be a place they would recognise as a safe haven and they would feel comfortable there. With all these preparations and everything going so well, the shoot should have been very straightforward. However, after filming with animals for more than three decades, there is always one thing one must try to prepare for, and that is the unexpected. I've told my clients many times, I never have a problem with the animals, but with the owners, that's a very different story. And on this day, this was my Achilles Hill. It was about four o'clock in the morning of shooting. I left the house to be in Antwerp around 5.30. The idea was I should place the sectional fencing around the film area and be ready for when the ostrich was due to arrive at 7.30. The trailer would be parked in the enclosed area, the camera set up, buckets sunken into the ground as per the director's instructions and when ready to release the ostrich, simply by opening the rear doors to the trailer, ostrich struts out, each from the bucket and then we all go home. How easy it should have been. The ostrich had arrived on time, the fences were in place and all seemed to be going to plan. That is, until my assistant walked over to me and in with a very worried look on her face, she said, whatever you do, go and take a look in the trailer before you open the door and release the ostrich. Seriously, she said with a panicked whisper. I walked over to where the trailer was parked, passed around the back, stepped up onto the frame and looked in. My God, what the, what the... I said under my breath, I really couldn't believe what I was seeing. The ostrich stared me straight in the face with his eye. Yes, I said, eye. His right eye was missing. 
we had a one-eyed ostrich. I then looked down into the trailer and gasped as I nearly fell off the ramp. Not only this poor creature got only one eye, but he was also bald, not a feather on his back. He was the Kojak of the bird world. He looked almost like the turkeys you see in the supermarket, wrapped in cling film and ready for the oven. The only difference was this turkey could walk. The owner came over to explain why he had brought this bird and not the one we had been working with, and I asked him how could he expect us to work with a bald, one-eyed bird. It was now obvious I had a people or person problem. Apparently, the owner explained he could not catch the bird we had trained because in the dark and on his own, he was unable to tell one from another, so he bought the only bird that would walk into the trailer. Asking why he didn't call for help or catch him during daylight seemed pointless at the time because it certainly would not help this situation now. Concerned about the bird's welfare, I needed to fully understand what had happened to this bird and why, or what caused these problems. Was he suffering, and did he need any kind of treatment? Because if he's ill or suffering in any way, then I would refuse to work with him, and you see, he would then have to be returned home immediately. I telephoned the owner's veterinary doctor to inquire. The veterinary doctor was still in bed when I called. She said she knew the bird well and went on to reassure me he's okay and he's not suffering. He was, since a baby, with only one eye, and the missing feathers were from being bullied with the other birds in the flock. Being away from them was in fact beneficial for him. If he's kept separate from the others for a long time, they will grow back again next year. But I didn't have a year. We were supposed to be filming today. Having now established and fully understanding the situation, I could now turn my thoughts to doing what I do best, solving problems. How do we get the actions with this bird? The eye problem was easily solved. The bird has to walk from left to right across the shot. We see him only in profile from the right side. Providing we keep him walking in a straight line in the right direction, the camera will not see he's only got one eye. Now for the problem of the alopecia. This is going to be more of a challenge. Considerably more difficult to hide and cure in just a few minutes in the time we had. I stood and stared as my head ran through all possibilities, however outrageous. Then I had an idea. I told my team to delay things as much as possible, buy me as much time as possible, but do not get the ostrich out of the trailer until I return. I jumped in the car and sped off in the direction of Amsterdam. I needed ostrich feathers, and lots of them, and I needed them now. I remembered that when filming recently in Amsterdam Studios, they had in the foyer a model of an ostrich. It was not full size, it was more the size of an emu, but it did have a lot of body feathers. Backing right up to the foyer door, I calmly walked in and straight over to this beautifully groomed bird and confidently proceeded to pick it up as though this was the normal thing to do. At the same time, I said to the receptionist, Oh, I've just come to collect this bird. It's needed on another set. I'll be returning it tomorrow. The receptionist smiled, and off I went before anyone realised what had happened. As I headed back to Antwerp, the bird lay across the back seat with this rubber neck bent right back. I started to carefully pluck one plume at a time and place them neatly on the front passenger seat. By the time I arrived at the film set, the model ostrich looked very similar to the real bald one. I asked the production if they had any wide, double-sided tape. This is easily found on any film set. 
Nobody thought to ask why. While sitting in the front of the car, I got to work making a toupee large enough to cover Kojak's back. I carefully carried the bird's new toupee over to the trailer and called my team around. I explained that I've only got one chance to get this on the bird. They were to keep him facing the front end of the trailer and keep him as still as possible, again using the bucket of food technique to keep him where we wanted him. As I peeled back the film on the double-sided tape, and whilst I was hanging by the waist over the rear ramp, I carefully reached over the bird's back and then firmly and positively pressed down the toupee onto the bird's back. Perfect. Perfect position. And it looked good. We asked production if we could let him out to walk around. At this point, everyone except from my team were still totally oblivious as to what was going on behind the scenes. The production people were not quite ready, and so they asked for a few minutes more to make some final adjustments. Then, being given the nod, everyone was ready, we opened the rear of the trailer, and out he strutted. He seemed to know how good he looked as he proudly paraded around the fenced enclosure. He also seemed very comfortable in the knowledge that he didn't have any other birds to bully or peck at him. After about an hour of filming, with him walking from one side to the other and stopping only to eat the tidbits we were dropping in this one bucket that was sunken in the centre of the set, we were finished. Nobody outside of our team realised our ostrich was wearing a wig. Well, that is until he was about to walk up the ramp and go back into the trailer, because, as he did so, he passed too close to the fence. That was, of course, on his blind side and something snagged the toupee as he took his last steps up the ramp. His toupee remained hanging on the fence. One of the production people screamed and came very close to fainting. Then people started to realise this was no injury. It was a wig that had simply fallen off. I explained to everyone the problem and what we did to solve it. Clearly, everyone was relieved. As from that day on, he was affectionately known as Kojak. I found him a better home without the other bullying ostriches in a private park where he did eventually regrow his full plumage. The model was repaired and returned to Amsterdam Studios with nobody any the wiser. Just another day in the office. Here is today's animal joke. That three times my computer has been attacked by hackers. I had to change my password yet again. That's the third time I've had to rename my dog. Don't forget to send me your favourite animal-related joke and hopefully it can be part of a future podcast. It can be old or new, you can steal it or borrow it, or you can make it up on your own, but please send it. I would love to hear it. I will send a special thank you present to the person whose joke is selected for use. If two or more jokes sent are the same, then unfortunately it will be the first person's joke to arrive that will get the present. Good luck. Thanks for joining me here today. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed today's little ditty. Why not visit the website and see for yourself some of the commercials, the photographs and the film clips of our work. The website is www.academic-animals.com. Can I ask you to subscribe and press the like button? It's really appreciated. Thanks very much. Now it's official. You're my new best friend. Lots of love. Roger and out. Roger and out.